For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 217 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. No, he left us hanging there for a little bit. Left it. He, he let it sizzle. Um, a little bit of the... We are living in a post-new tool, tool album world. Steve and I released uh, a special review episode on the Blue Harvest feed, so if you haven't heard that yet and it's something that interests you out, interests you, go check it out. Uh, and uh, over here on Blue Harvest, we're going to talk about some Star Wars. Uh, how you been, buddy? Been all right. Can't complain. Cannot complain. Anything to report in the wo world of Will? Anything exciting? Not necessarily, no. I gotcha. Not that I can think of. <clears throat> so, if all goes well, tomorrow, around uh, 12 o'clock our time, hopefully I will be securing tool tickets to see them in L.A. in October. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm hoping that goes well. But I guess I don't know for sure. I'm a little worried. L.A. in October should be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like it's just like a nice little quick trip, you know, nothing too crazy. Go visit some friends, check out Tool, maybe check out Galaxy's Edge if that works out as well. So little maybe baby. <laughs> love to see some Galaxy's Edge. Um but it's all sort of contingent on us getting those damn Tool tickets in the morning. So hopefully it uh it goes well. Here's I, to hoping. I love a good fucking, am I going to be able to get tickets to something I want to go to anxiety session. So It's really fucked up that they allow these robots to buy tickets at the same pace as human beings. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and there was this story from a month or two ago where maybe Ticketmaster, maybe Live Nation, one of the big sort of ticket companies, they may even be one and the same. 
it came out that they're I think they're getting involved in like a class action lawsuit because it came out that they were pre-selling groups of tickets to third-party ticket sites like your StubHubs or your SeatGeeks and stuff like that before the tickets went on sale. So they were selling like bundles of tickets ahead of time and then to these like reseller sites. And that's fucked up. Um, We're actually, the company that's doing the ticket sales for this show is one I've never used before. So we'll see how it goes. I've used Ticketmaster and Live Nation. Yeah. I mean, in our area, Ticketmaster is pretty much your own. Well, that's not necessarily true. There's some other, you know, smaller shows will do other ticket sites and stuff. But if you're going to a bigger show, like an arena show or an amphitheater show, yeah. it's going to be Ticketmaster around here. <clears throat> so before we get into the news this week, which there's there's some cool stuff, uh, you guys should like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon page where we post exclusive podcasts every week. What kind of podcast? Well, there's Blue Harvest Adventures where we play the West End Games role-playing game with our buddies Robbo, with Jesse, with Colleen. Uh, Masters of Harvest Kasi, which has an episode either out now or coming up soon with our buddy Robbo and King Tom where we talk about... The Force Unleashed. Uh, we have Cooking with Will, Ono's Hall Solo, Jaws, uh, Podula Rasa with Emily Lind, Star Wars Year by Podcast with our buddy Steel. It is so much good content going on over at the Blue Harvest Podcast Patreon feed. So if you want to check that out, you can support this show if you enjoy what we do for as little as $3 a month at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. We're part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, who uh, features a variety of different takes on Star Wars. So after you listen to us, if you need your further Star Wars fix, travel on over and check them out. And then uh, on the on the subject of podcasts, there's a couple of, I've got a couple of couple of recommendations for you guys. First off, we all know our buddy Anthony, the Royal Farm Boy. Well, he was on our buddy Josh Chapman's podcast, Star Wars Spelt Out. So if you want to hear uh, the Royal Farm Boy in all his glory, then go check that out. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to the episode yet because I've been listening to the same album over and over again for the past week. Um, but yeah, go check it out. It's episode 60, 68, Star Wars Promoter with Anthony the Royal Farm Boy Welling. And yours truly was a guest on the Rogue Rebels podcast with our buddy Sal Perales and his daughter Lizzie talking about the Mandalorian. Nice. Check those out. All righty. Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, Will, did you ever play um, any of the Dark Forces games? I think I might have played one for a little bit. Not all the way to the end. Okay, so for any of our listeners that don't know, Star Wars Dark Forces was sort of a mid-90s to, I would say, early 2000s series of Star Wars video games. 
started with Dark Forces, which was essentially a Doom clone, first-person Star Wars shooter, um, where you played as Kyle Katarn, old Kyle, uh, the most creative uh, first name in Star Wars history, old Kyle. Well, it was the '90s, right? That was mm-hmm. that was like the best name you could give a kid, Kyle and Zach, or well, Jason. Old Kyle. Jason with a C, maybe, instead Mm. of an S. Uh, Old Kyle, he helped steal the plans for the Death Star, all that kind of stuff. And then they put out a sequel, Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight. Uh, And that was another first-person shooter. And in that one, old Kyle Katarn found out he had Force powers, and his dad was a Jedi, and all this stuff. He got to use a lightsaber. Uh, it had some really interesting full motion video cutscenes that I won't lie, in 96, 97, whenever I came, it came out, I thought they were great. I was like, this is as good as having a new Star Wars movie, you guys. There's a live action people fighting with lightsabers and shit. This is incredible. Well, the third game in the series, Star Wars Jedi Knight, Jedi... Wait... Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast. What is the fucking title of that name game? Um, it came out and it was... We actually talked about it on the latest episode of Masters of Harvest Kasi. Um, how it was in some ways sort of a precursor to um, The Force Unleashed. It was third person. You know, you were flipping around, throwing your lightsaber, doing... Stuff like that. And then the fourth game in the series, Jedi Academy. No longer playing as Kyle Katarn, but you sort of made your own Star Wars or your own Jedi apprentice and you were working under Kyle Katarn and Luke Skywalker shows up. Well, I'm going into all of this. It was actually called <laughs> Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. It was a Star Wars game with Jedi in the title twice. Uh, I'm going all through this because we had an announcement about Jedi Outcast this week during uh, sort of an unexpected place or during an unexpected event. It was during the Nintendo Direct. Are you familiar with those, Will? No. So (laughs) the easiest way to explain a Nintendo Direct is every few months they do sort of like a mini E3 presentation. It's pre-recorded. It's not in front of an audience. But it'll be anywhere between, you know, 15 to 45 minutes of Nintendo announcements. You know, they may announce the new fighter for Smash Brothers or show footage from the next Pokemon game. Well, right. they, they had one yesterday on the 4th. And it was actually, I thought, pretty cool. They announced a lot of stuff I was excited about. You know, Super Nintendo games coming to the Nintendo Switch and um, lots of stuff like that. Well, one of the more surprising announcements is was that Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast is coming to the Nintendo Switch. On oh, sep- wow. Yeah. That's cool. On September 24th, no less. So, just a couple of weeks away. Um, and then... After that, it came out that it's also coming to the PlayStation 4 and 
that Jedi Academy is also coming, but it is coming in 2020. So two fairly well um, remembered Star Wars games are coming to modern consoles over the next few months. And I think that's pretty rad. What's really great about the Switch is its ability to travel. Dude. You know, you can play. Those are the perfect mm-hmm. ways and times to play games like that. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like, you know, I I grew up with an NES. I eventually saved up money as a kid and bought myself a Super Nintendo. And I had a Nintendo 64 and I had a GameCube. After that, I fell off of Nintendo. The Wii didn't interest me. The Wii U wasn't around long enough for me to really be interested in it. But the Switch, the, so the Switch is my first Nintendo console that I've owned since a GameCube. Yeah. And it is such a great little console. Like you said, the ability to go from, you know, handheld mode to docked mode where you can play on the TV, so neat. Like, you know, when, when Jesse and I drove to Chicago earlier this year for Star Wars Celebration, that Switch sure came in handy. Just a, a little something to do on a 10-hour road trip, you know? Yeah. And then the library of games on the Switch, whether they be exclusive or shared, is just really solid. You know, and now you're getting some classic Star Wars games brought over like for 300 bucks. It's an incredible little system. I can't recommend the Nintendo Switch enough. <clears throat> Plus, you know, nobody beats Monty Mole. That's also something to keep in mind when you're Monty thinking. Mole. Nobody beats Monty Mole. Um, so, yeah, uh, I do. It's going to happen. Oh, it of, of course it will. I can't. And you're going to be sad about it, but it's going to happen. No, it's a, I can't be sad about an inevitability. I have rubbed in that Mario Party performance so much that, yes, karma will come back around to me, and I will gloriously lose a game of Mario Party against you and Jesse. But until that day, boy, will I be strutting catch me strut and uh you better enjoy it because i'm gonna make sure you enjoy it (laughs) the question is will you be able to win in such a blowout glorious fashion seven stars to one star i mean come on we're talking about like a michael jordan level performance in mario party Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll see yeah <laughs> stay tuned for that um mm. so the release of this on the switch does bring uh, a question to mind so we talked um earlier this year about limited run games re-releasing uh classical game star wars games in physical format so far they've released Star Wars Bounty Hunter on the PlayStation 4. Uh, Star Wars on the Nintendo and Game Boy. Um, Shadows of the Empire on the Nintendo 64. And Empire Strikes Back on the Nintendo and the Game Boy. So they've done six releases out of a ton. The list was huge of the games they're doing. Yeah. With Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy coming out, 
for Switch and PlayStation 4, I have a feeling that those two might end up getting physical releases through Limited Run Games. Because Limited Run Games does release Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 games. And the last two months, so August and July, they've done a release of three of the Star Wars games. They did three in July and three, three in August. They didn't do... Maybe it went back further. Maybe it was June and July. And they didn't do one in August. So they haven't announced the next batch yet. Makes me wonder if uh, Jedi Outcast will be in the next batch and it'll be available in um, physical, in the physical format for the PlayStation and the Switch. That um, would be cool. It does. It makes me wonder with all those old PC games because they haven't done a physical PC release for any of these Star Wars games yet. So it makes me wonder if we'll be getting them for those. And if not, does that mean the PC games are all going to be ported to consoles and that's where we're going to get the limited run releases? And if that's the case, <laughs> does that mean we're going to be getting like TIE Fighter and X-Wing on modern consoles? Like, Interesting. I don't, I don't know how well those would work. Like I don't either. There's a lot of commands going on in those games. Um, yeah, I agree. But in case anybody wants to check out, if you're interested in either of those games and you don't want to wait, you can actually purchase um, Star Wars Jedi Academy on the Xbox One through their backwards compatible uh, program because it was released on the original Xbox. Um. So you can go check it out if and see if that's your it's they're super cheap. When they sell those old backwards compatible Xbox games, they do not charge much. That's what's <laughs> interesting about the this next generation of consoles on both sides is that they're both going to be fully backwards compatible, right? No. From what I understand, no. and this this is obviously just the currently released information, but from what I understand the PlayStation 5 is only going to be backwards compatible with the PlayStation 4. Mm, okay. Xbox, whatever their next thing is, whatever they end up calling their next console, is apparently going to be fully backwards compatible, meaning, you know, the next generation Xbox, Xbox One, and all of the um, games that they've added to their backwards compatibility service. Meaning, if you've bought an Xbox, original Xbox, or an Xbox 360 game on your Xbox One, you will be right. able to play it on the new Xbox. So... As far as backwards compatibility goes, it seems like Xbox is going to be a little more robust. Um, partially, I think that might be because PlayStation has a subscription service called PlayStation Now. Ah, uh, yes. Where you, you can pay a monthly service and you can go and play old PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 2 games, I believe. So I, th I think... That might be why you don't end up seeing PlayStation 3, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 1 full backwards compatibility on the PlayStation 5. But we're still over a year out from either of those consoles coming out and things can change. So, you know, if people, and they don't really seem to be, I like backwards compatibility. You know, I like not having to 
worry about keeping an older console around to play a game that I may want to go and revisit. Um, but I don't see a lot of people super bummed about PlayStation 5 not having the same level of backwards compatibility. So, you know, maybe yeah, it's just I mean, not in their it, interest. It's not crucial for everybody. Mm-mm. I think it's smart for Microsoft. You know, uh, clearly, if you if these people have spent these money on these games and they still want to play them on your new console, why not let them? You know, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and you know, after the sort of way they bungled the uh, initial Xbox One messaging in the year or so up to leading to its release, Microsoft sort of dug a hole from themse- for themselves that they had to climb out of, and I think they've made some really nice strides towards a lot of different things. Not just backwards compatibility, which I'm a big fan of, but also... Their Game Pass, super neat. Like, you can pay 10 bucks a month and you basically have Netflix for Xbox games. And not just that, all of their first-party new releases are there day one. So if you have Game Pass, you know, tomorrow when Gears of War 5 comes out, you can just hop down there and hop on there and download it and play it. Yeah, you that's know? true. Um and then it's not just first-party stuff. They have a ton of other games that they cycle in and out. And for the the cost you pay, you get a ton of value out of that Game Pass. And then, you know, they recently announced it for PC. Uh, and that seems pretty cool from the a little bit of it that I've messed around with. And also, they have done some really neat stuff for, like, disabled accessibility in gaming. They created a dedicated accessibility controller for people with like, uh, you know, disabled motor functions, I guess. Right. That's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, spreading, talk about spreading the experience. Yeah. And, you know, I know in this day and age, it's fun to pick a team and be like, Ooh, but PlayStation is better and it has better exclusives. Look at this point, it's hard to argue that PlayStation four, doesn't have better exclusives they do they've had an incredible exclusive lineup this generation there's there's just no arguing it spider-man god of war uh last of us 2 is coming out and that's just scratching the surface but i think there's you know there's good stuff to be had on all the platforms like that's why i enjoy having the different systems is so I'm not locked out of any game that I may be interested in playing, you know? Right. And trust me, as someone... No experience are you going to miss. No, and and trust me, you're talking to someone that when he first met his best friend, Will Witten, was a hardcore, dyed-in-the-wool PlayStation fanboy. He paid the $600 on release date for that new PlayStation 3. And what did he have to play? jack shit resistance which he beat in like two days and then it was a long yeah. time before something real cool came out you and i were sitting around i was like oh man that resistance game was real cool for as long as it lasted <laughs> for as long as it lasted it actually had a decently linked campaign but never really seemed to catch on obviously it didn't because it's not even a thing anymore they don't make resistance games anymore but never caught on as as much as say like a a Halo or a Gears of War or 
you know, a Call of Duty, any of those sort of type of games. Um, right. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how this next generation shakes out. I'm not saying, you know, I'm pulling for Microsoft over Sony, but I really hope they uh, they do a little better than they did this generation because as a whole, I enjoy a lot of things about the gaming experience on a Microsoft console over the PlayStation 4. I think Xbox Live Gold is way better than PlayStation Plus. I think their networking infrastructure and the process of joining up with your friends or adding people to a group chat or whatever, way more intuitive on Xbox. I think the user experience, um, the interface and stuff on Xbox is better. They just need to really nail down the whole exclusive thing. If they can use, they can leverage some of all these fucking developers they've been buying up over the past couple of years and put out some kick-ass exclusives. I think they'll be in a good spot. I think so too. All right. So besides Star Wars games getting announced, old Star Wars games, we had some uh, information about the Mandalorian come out this week, courtesy of Entertainment Weekly. Uh, And, you know, the information was cool. It would have been cooler if it was Anthony Bresnikan. Gotta say. Missing the Bres when it comes to reporting Star Wars and uh, Entertainment Weekly. Um, But they have some exclusive photos and a couple of articles. So we'll talk about the photos first. Um, So we have, um, first up, a picture of the Mandalorian and Gina Carano. Hanging out together. I need to look up her character name. Because it is escaping me right now. Um, (laughs) I don't know why. But something about this picture cracks me up. It looks like. The fighter select screen. On like. uh, You know like a fighting (laughs) game. On a console. Mandalorian. Versus. Cara Dune. Something like that. Cara Dune. Let me look up her name. Kara Dune. So, yeah. Um, there is some Mandalorian jujitsu, jujitsu about to go down. There sure is. He's got clenched fists, and the Mandalorian's got open hands. Um, that's pretty cool. He's, uh, I, he's about to say what the five finger said to the face. Slap! Slap! Wouldn't it be funny if the Mandalorian's uh, fighting style was just open hand slaps? Like that, yeah. Like, like more than like palm strikes, basically. <laughs> like, slap you to the ground, like. Um. Okay, so in this picture, we get a pretty clear look at something you and I have been talking about since Star Wars Celebration, um, where you know Jesse and I and some of our friends got to go to the panel, but you got to watch the bootleg footage with us. I did. Uh. Homeboy is decked out in that Beskar, Beskar Mandalorian yes. armor. He is full he is, on shiny in this picture. Both, uh, both shoulder pauldrons, both gauntlets, both uh, like thigh pads, and his chest plate, and his chest plate. So, you know, we've talked about it since the the celebration footage and and past that, yeah. He's going to be getting some armor upgrades in this. Like, I likened it to um, 
on the Rogue Rebels podcast too. He's going to go turn in some quest items and they'll reward him with a new shoulder piece or gauntlets or whatever it is. Are you, are you sure you want to upgrade this piece of armor? Yes, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, dun, da, da, da. you used four Mandalorian iron Beskar ingots at the forge and you made a new chest plate. Dun, dun. Your armor skill has leveled up. Um, I really dig the full chromed out version. It looks like uh, he's standing next to some sort of hot tub. Uh, hot tub. Yeah. The hot tub. Star Wars hot tub. I wonder if that's one of those things they dunk C-3PO in in A New Hope. Interesting. An auto bath. Oh, man. Yeah. Not much else to see. Like... Except that they're on... Um, they're, it's very noticeable to me that they're standing on leaves or bark or something. Mulch. Yeah, it looks kind of like mulch. It looks... Yeah. It looks nicely Something at least outdoorsy. Uh, I've seen some people sort of cracking on these pictures that they look a little like, I don't know. I don't know if goofy is the word, but like, you know, I. They're taken out of context. They are taken I mean, out of context. And I also you're think. You're looking at something that has absolutely no context to anybody at the moment. You know, it, when compared, you know, it's. <coughs> It's easy to maybe feel a little disappointed when you compare official Mandalorian stills to official stills from The Rise of Skywalker, mm -hmm. but it's going to. You don't have Annie Leibovitz doing the photography for The Mandalorian, and it's it's lower budget. Like, The Mandalorian is lower budget. From what we saw in the trailer, it's going to look fine. Maybe it doesn't look great in still photography, but I think we'll still be okay with the uh, the final product. You know, when it comes out. Right. I still um, think it looks good. I do too. I've seen some people saying like, oh, it looks like a CW show. And I can kind of catch that vibe. Maybe I not. I mean, it's a, in a frozen image. Right. Um, so our next picture is the Mandalorian duking it out with a couple of Trandoshans. Trandoshans. Some Bosks. They look awesome. I think they do too. Um... The picture as a whole, once again, I've seen some people cracking some jokes about, and this is one I understand, it does kind of look like action figure photography. You know, when you see someone, like, do some really kick-ass photography with their hot toys or something. Yeah. Posing I mean, in a like diorama kinda, and stuff. It's like Star Trek. You know, It like does. Kinda. It reminds me, obviously it looks quite a bit be be better, but it reminds me of... Um, Captain Kirk fighting the what are the lizard guys? The Gorn? Is that the what Gorns. they're called? Um I believe so. So old Mandalorian not decked out in the chromy chrome this time around. Not, yeah. So I and I can't tell if the one shoulder pauldron facing us is or isn't. I don't think it is, but the way the light's hitting it kind of make it look like it might be brown like everything else, or it might be metal but I can't really tell. I can't tell either. I don't think it is because it actually looks like maybe the shape is even a little different when you compare it to different, the previous right. um, the previous picture. Um, what I do like is the um, the makeup on the Trandoshans. Like, that looks awesome. That looks yes, really good. It does. 
It does and look really good. And I like really seeing good. him with that long kick-ass taser blaster or whatever that is. Yeah, his his holiday special weapon. Yep. <clears throat> I like that, you know, clearly that is going to serve as both a blaster and sort of a melee weapon. Right. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Exciting to see Trandoshans again. I love me some Bosk. So to see some more live action versions of those guys, uh, I'm all about that. Um, and then next up, <clears throat> we just have a nice uh, headshot of the Mandalorian. Looking tight. Nice headshot. Yep, looking good. Looking, looking clean. Good. <laughs> all right. So one of the articles that came out in Entertainment Weekly this week uh, kind of addresses the elephant in the room. Uh, and that is the same comparison that I've made, the same question I've had, Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. What is the deal, right? Right. So uh, I'll just um, I'll just uh, go through and read some of this. This is, like I said, the e- EW article by James Hibbard. Um, he says it's easy to look at the new live action Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, and assume the lead character is simply Boba Fett by another name. Uh, both characters wear Mandalorian army, both are ar- armor, both are bounty hunters, uh, and both are tough guys who are not exactly chatty, but that's where the similar similarities end. Uh, and then John Favreau had this to say, um, our guy is a Mandalorian and we definitely explore the culture of the Mandalorian. Filoni adds, Boba Fett is a clone, according to Attack of the Clones, and by asking George Lucas, he would say Boba Fett is not Mandalorian, not born on Mandalore. He's more of a person indoctrinated into it, into the way of life, and gets a hold of the armor. Um, so that's just them, you know, sort of reinforcing what we've been talking about for a while now, is that in the Clone Wars... It's established that Django and Boba aren't actually Mandalorians. They just have Mandalorian armor. <clears throat> so, um, our guy is operating in a much more unforgiving landscape, a place where survival is difficult enough, let alone flourishing in that atmosphere, and the politics have dissolved. It's might is right, and how does somebody even earn a living? when there's no structure to society anymore and everything is collapsing in on itself? How do you work your way through the world? Um, A third aspect is that Boba Fett was more of a villain, while the Mandalorian, who has a real name, it's just not been revealed yet, is more like a dark hero. And this is Pedro Pascal talking. Ultimately, he wants to do the right thing, but his duties could very much be in conflict with his destiny, and doing the right thing has many faces. It can be a very windy road. So, you know, just some interesting sort of context and character stuff. I do like that they're um, establishing him as a a dark hero. You know, like, I like the concept of this guy wanting to do what's right, but being torn because of his chosen profession and the state of the galaxy, like having to make some tough choices. Right. Right. And I think that could lead to some interesting stuff. Like what's going to, 
what's going to be the uh, struggle point for him? What's going to be the thing in the story that pops up that causes this conflict within within the character? Like, obviously, it's going to be a bounty. Like, he's going to be charged with bringing in some sort of bounty that is going to directly conflict with his desire to do what's right and try to eke out a living in this fucked up, decimated galaxy after a huge galactic civil war. Um, Because in some of the other articles and stuff, they definitely sort of lean into the fact that it's in the outer rim, it's in the more rough and tumble areas of the galaxy that haven't quite, you know, picked themselves back up after the the war. Uh, Right. So much so that there's still a character, Moff Gideon, who's part of the Empire, who's still running shit to some degree, right? Yeah, Moff Gideon? Yeah, that's the uh, character played by um, Giancarlo Esposito, who was in okay. Breaking Bad. We yeah, see him, okay. We see him in the trailer and stuff. He's wearing like the uh, right. sort of Imperial chest plate. Right, right. So a former Moff, you have to assume... He, who's in command of the Death Troopers we see in the trailer, probably the Stormtroopers, you know? Yeah. If I had to guess, he's a guy who, once the Empire fell, he just took control of whatever system he was in charge of and is sort of like, you know, hiding behind the walls, for lack of a better term. Like, just waiting it out and exerting whatever control he has left over for his own benefit, you know? Nice head, I think I'll take it. Nice head, I think I'll take it. <laughs> oh, hey, what are you doing here? Hey, what are you doing here? Um, some other interesting things uh, that they bring up in the article is that you don't exactly see Pedro Pascal very much. Um, yeah, really? Yeah, they say... Let me see if I can't... He stays in the armor a lot, is what that means? I think, well, specifically the helmet. Um, So, going back to um, the the sort of state of the section of the galaxy they're in, Jon Favreau says, it's like after the Roman Empire falls, or when you don't have a centralized shogun in Japan, and of course, the Old West when there wasn't any government in the areas that had not yet been settled. Um, you know, pretty much what we talked about. <clears throat> um, well, man, this is a pretty in-depth... Okay, speaking of faces, don't expect to see Pascal's very often. The Mandalorian, or Mando as he's called on set, is pretty fond of keeping that helmet on. Pascal, not so much. The actor spent a bit of time bumping into things around the set before he got the hang of it. Uh, I don't know. Oh, wow. I don't know that he's ever going to take it off, right? Like, do you cast, do you cast Pedro Pascal, who is, you know, not super well-known, but fairly well-known from his role on Game of Thrones. He was also in Narcos. So, you know, a pretty well-known actor at his tier or whatever. Do you cast that guy to be your main character if you're not going to show him? 
or do you mm. go the uh, you know the mysterious route? Like, do you have to show his face? I don't think you do. I don't think you absolutely have to show his face. I mean, he has a lot of talent as an actor physically, but I think you the opportunity for you too is there. Right. You know, like because part of being a man that wears a mask and a helmet all the time is what happens when you lose it or it's damaged or blown off or you're taken hostage. Like there are all these situations where someone could take the helmet off of you. You know, that 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 would make it interesting and compelling, just the fact that someone that's got a helmet. I would have been in the camp that you don't ever see his face, at least in the first season, right? But right. they say don't expect to see it very often. That makes me think that you're going to see it at least once, maybe in a really important moment, you know. Right. Um, another faceless character is IG-11. Gonna, oh, go ahead. Is he going to wear the helmet the whole time he's making his new armor? <laughs> Can you imagine breathing him, him breathing heavy in there? And stuff? It's real sweaty in here, guys. And he's, he's taking like a towel and... Uh, like patting his face, but like snaking <laughs> it up inside the helmet. And like, oh my goodness. Carl Lewis is going to be like, you know, you could just take the helmet off and wipe your face off. And he's like, nah, man, you see how cool this shit is. I don't take that off. This shit ain't ever coming off. If it, if it was a sec acceptable in modern society to wear a helmet every day, dude, catch me rolling around to my job every day wearing a Mandalorian helmet. Really? You'd come visit me and I'd be sitting on the couch watching TV, playing video games in my Mandalorian helmet. Like, I think it's a shame that we don't live in Star Wars where a dude can just roll around all day in a helmet and nobody bats an eye. It's like, oh yeah, there's another helmet guy. Yeah, he's one of those guys who just wears a helmet all the time. I remember when you and I used to go to the drive-thru and you would wear the helmets to the people at the drive-thru that, that would give us our food, and you would freak them the fuck out every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you remember when I had that um, that Mark Echo Boba Fett hoodie? Yes. That you could zip all the way up, and it looked yeah. kind of like you were wearing a Boba Fett helmet? I would go through like a toll booth doing that. They didn't think it was funny. But see, that's the thing. In our society, if someone shows up wearing a helmet or a mask, you probably think they're going to rob you, right? Right. Or they're going to shoot you. Like, are they going to break out into... And I would never do either of those things. I just want to be able to wear a helmet and maybe a cape every day and it be acceptable. You know what I mean? Like, helmet and a cape every day. Every day. There would be people in my life that would be like, do you guys know what Halls looks like? No, he always wears that helmet. There's a little bit of beard that sticks out of the bottom, so I think he's got a big beard. But other than that, I don't know. <clears throat> All right. That's sad. I, I would love it. Um, Next up. Another faceless character is IG-11, an assassin droid voiced by director Taika Waititi who also helmed the season one finale. He labored on finding the perfect voice for the role before landing on a tone that he says is somewhere between Siri and HAL 9000. He is very innocent and naive and direct and doesn't know about sarcasm and doesn't know how to lie, Watiti says. It's like a child with a gun. I 
love that idea for IG-11. Right, that sounds perfect. Which definitely makes it seem like he's going to be a bit of the um, uh, comic relief. And I'm okay with that. Like, I think it's perfect. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. if, if you want to make the dark, serious droid version, then just bring IG-88 in. <clears throat> I do like, they said something in one of the interviews, um, maybe it was going back to D23, that IG-11 hates being compared to IG-88. Oh, wow. And I think that's... I, that's clever. I mean, it... <laughs> it, it it ties it to the world, I feel like. Yeah, and it ties it to the world, and it also ties it to the fandom. Because, you know, last Thanksgiving, I believe it was when John Favreau posted the first picture of IG-11 on his Instagram. Me, you, everybody else that saw it was like, holy shit, it's IG-88, you know? Yeah. And there's going to be nothing but numerous comparisons made between the two. So I think that's a really funny way to go about uh, addressing that character is like, yes, we realize people are going to confuse it with IG-11 or IG-88 and we're going to like sort of play on that and make a joke out of it. I really like that. Um, so do I. Okay. Um, and I also like the idea of the Mandalorian and a droid with that personality hanging out together. I think, I don't know. Like, it's it's hard for me to say because I'm so, like, you're you're definitely talking in my wheelhouse with Mandalorians and IG droids and stuff. Like, I right. think we're in for something cool. I think we might be in for something cool with this one. It does sound that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Um... And if they make the joke, right? If they make the joke about him being bummed when people confuse him for IG-88, like, doesn't that just set up for a real kick-ass appearance by IG-88 eventually? It does. It does. To me, it does. I mean, it might not. But... Yeah. Hard to say. Um, but yeah, I think that sort of covers the Mandalorian stuff. There's there's way more and there's actually, you know, um a physical copy of the magazine coming out within the next week or so, I believe, and the cover is real cool. So, if there's anything else to glean, any more information to glean from that, we'll definitely cover it, but yeah. You know, I don't want to just sit here and read an entire Entertainment Weekly article from you guys. I just tried to go through and pick out a few things that were interesting to me. You can do that yourself. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Well, I think that about does it for Star Wars news. Let me do a quick. Um, a quick search for any Star Wars. No, I think that's about it. Um, oh. Well, this is kind of interesting. Um, Ryan Johnson and his producing partner, Ram Bergman, announced today that they've got sort of their own production company starting up where they're going to work on, you know, TV projects and movie projects. And within that announcement, just once again, 
it mentions that they're still working on a Star Wars trilogy. Oh. So, good to hear, you know? Nice to hear, but <clears throat> other than that, not a ton to go on. Yeah, not a lot. All righty. Well, give me one second, and I'll get us a little uh, musical cue uh, queued up. And we will... Uh, Hear from some of our moisture farmer friends. All right. So, all righty. So we're going to hear from our buddy Steve-A-D. Steve-A-D. Fuck yeah. Key-A-D. 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 Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box Giddy Cockhead Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead He's a big Syrian stud He loves to split chicks with his pud Giddy Cockhead To stroke his cone and suck on his balls Giddy Cockhead What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi council stooge but he'll be pumping spooch tomorrow! Cockhead! Blue Herb! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witten! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! K&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! Alrighty. Sweet. All right. First up, we're going to hear from King Tom. You know how that goes. We hear from him. He brings something interesting to the table. Then we discuss it. So here we go. Hey, Daryl Hawes and Will. Today is Thursday, September 5th. And I looked it up. We are 105 days away from the release of The Rise of Skywalker. And yes, 105 days, that's a long time, but then at the same time, it's right around the corner. And there are little reminders that it's creeping ever closer. We're starting to see some merch. We got the little sneak peek from D23 and spoilers are starting to come out everywhere. I saw that thing on Reddit. I took a look at the first paragraph or two and I did the the Abe Simpson turn right around and walk right out of the bordello. I am done with spoilers. I think (laughs) I don't want anything that's not a target spoiler. I don't want to see and I'm starting to wonder how in the world am I going to live my life outside of breathing into a paper bag for the last few weeks before the rise of Skywalker I feel like and going you know back to the last few weeks before previous Star Wars movies I'm gonna to have to limit my time on social media mute and cert- mute certain keywords uh, before the last Jedi I watched that streaming thing from the red carpet they did uh, for the premiere, I don't even think I'm going to get to be able to do that because, you know, let's say they have Dennis Lawson on the red carpet. Whoops, everyone knows Wedge Antilles is going to be in The Rise of Skywalker, using him in place of other names. But it's just one of those things that I'm go- going to have to do things differently or refocus, and I'm trying to wonder how am I going to do that. And I want to ask you, what are you guys planning on 
changing anything up or doing something different. Obviously, I'm going to be watching old Star Wars movies left and right. I'm probably going to be listening to old podcasts instead of new ones. It's just other than you guys, because I know you wouldn't spoil things or anything like that. But I just, I just want guidance. I, 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 I want to learn from the masters. So I'm asking you. What do you guys are you guys gonna do anything differently? Lock anything down or dig into the you know the video vault for anything? Anyway, thanks for listening and uh, this is gonna be a fun 105 days until the rise of Skywalker. You know what? It's gonna be fun after it too. I'll talk to you later. Ooh, so what are you gonna do, Will? What's your? I honestly I kind of tune out. I tune out like basically like I try to avoid. Looking at the news, I certainly don't. I skip if like the Star Wars tab comes up. I immediately like scroll, like fling past it so that I don't see what's there. Um, I don't go hunting on the internet, Twitter, Facebook, none of that. Like I basically, I guess I go into the technology cave. Except for what's necessary, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... This is the thing. Over the next 105 days, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a full trailer, the final trailer, sometime next month. That is going to fill up our Star Wars tanks so much. We're going to be talking about it for so long, so much to talk about, new revelations, new theories, and all that good stuff. And then after that, you know, TV spots will be coming. You can watch those if you want. I like their late night, like their talk show appearances, their Jimmy Kimmel appearances and stuff. I think those are a lot of fun. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, So we have those to look forward to. And, you know, I would almost say that the red carpet stuff would be fine to watch. But then, you know, sometimes if you pay a close enough attention, they might give something away. Because fucking Ray Park sure was on the red carpet for Solo. And look what happened in that movie. Yeah, know? right. But that totally gave that away. You know, bes- besides that, like <clears throat> King Tom, he's a big fan of the books. There's going to be books coming out, like I think starting in November. So you can use those to occupy your time. And then if, you know, the, the real hard part of those last like two weeks before the new Star Wars comes out, like, you know, Obviously, in October, we'll also be able to buy tickets. That's my... We were talking about it at the beginning of the show. Like, ticket buying anxiety is a thing for me. And, you know, typically I'm the one who organizes our Star Wars night, our premiere night. So, and I am dreading this one a little bit extra because there's an added layer of the theater we want to go to this time does assigned seating. So I'm going to want to be able to get on there immediately and get us all good seats, you know? But once that's out of the way, it's like smooth sailing. So and ticket purchasing for large events in America is ridiculous. It is. And you know, the, it's it, just ridiculous. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's, it's going to be, it's a total scam. I don't think it's, it's ne- set up. I don't think it's going to be necessarily, you know, as bad as trying to buy tool concert tickets or Star Wars celebration tickets, but right. Um, you know, 
trying to buy a lot of movie tickets for a big group and make sure you all get decent seats in an assigned seating theater like that's that can be a fucking rough go um challenge yeah it can be a challenge we'll see how it goes uh i'm i'm looking forward to having that out of the way um just because that theater that i want us all to go to this time is so nice like it would be such a nice viewing experience they've got like the reclining leather seats and shit and that does sound nice right you can order food and like be nice to end out the sequel trilogy and a little nicer theater viewing experience not that the theater because we've gone to the same theater for every one of the new star wars movies except solo uh and you know it's a perfectly nice theater but this one's just a little nicer there's nothing wrong with that at all yeah um but other than that i'm looking forward to it you know for me personally between now and star wars in november well think about this king tom you got the mandalorian in november that'll occupy you you got Uh, fallen order fallen order in november i think there's plenty of things on the horizon that can can keep you going fine yeah and then just stick to your uh you know official lucasfilm information releases and you'll be good to go and you don't have to worry about spoilers here We're not going to talk about anything that's not officially released. Because we don't want to scare people away. We're trying to get listeners over here at Blue Harvest. Yeah, come listen to this. We won't scare you away. Not like last time. (laughs) Not like last time. Alrighty. Um, So, yeah, that's my plan. All right. We've got a voicemail from Christopher. Uh, Hey guys, attached as a voicemail for Blue Harvest, if you choose to listen. Of course we will. First timer here, so be gentle with me. As I said, uh, in it and see your thanks for all you do. Take care, buddies. Chris King. P.S. Just read last week's show notes, looking to make sure I remembered your email correctly, LOL. Fuck. Yeah, I kind of... uh, let me give you before we start his voicemail last week, right? Yes. I uh when we got done recording on Thursday, I got the show edited and converted to MP3 and ready to post because I knew Friday was going to be a big day with the new Tool album coming out and Steve coming over to listen to it for the first time and then we were going to review it. What right, I you got lots going on. Yeah, I had a lot going on. I got up early and I got working on my work. I was like, dude, I've got a busy day. I'm super motivated. And man, you should have seen my fingers typing at work. Whoa. It was like uh, Wally West up in this bitch typing real fast. And I was like, I've made such headway on my work. I'm going to be perfect to take a couple of hours off and listen to Tool and review it with my buddy Steve. So... Steve comes over, we listen to the album, we record a banger two-hour review podcast, close to two hours, get that ready, post it, and I'm like, all right, I've got just a tiny bit of work left to do, I'll uh, get that wrapped up and hit the bed. Wrong. In the time that I stopped working, I had like six or seven hours worth of work uploaded to my work Dropbox. So I was up till 5.30 a.m., 
And so by the time I got around to posting Blue Harvest for the week, I didn't feel like writing show notes. So I just typed in something real quick, one of which was like, does anybody even really read these things? And I published it. And now I've had two people come to me and say that they read the notes. So, my bad. At least two people read the notes. (laughs) Anyway, here's our buddy Christopher. Or Chris. Hey, Haas and Will. This is Chris King. First time I've left you a voicemail, but longtime Blue Harvest fan, guys. Love the podcast. Thank you all both so much for all the hard work that you put into it. It's awesome having Blue Harvest in my feed every week. But wanted to leave you a voicemail and share this crazy and insane theory that I've got about the future of Star Wars. So we know a couple of things. We're getting three, uh, we're getting two separate trilogies that are supposedly about all new characters that we're not familiar with, I think is what we've heard. And then we also know that the episode nine is the end of the Skywalker saga. And I personally hate the thought of there not being any numbered episodes of Star Wars movies anymore. And I know you all talk, you continually talk about how there's bound to be an episode 10 eventually. So I got to thinking, what if we're not getting ready to get an episode 10? Because obviously we'd have to have Daisy Ridley and, and, and some of the other cast back to keep it consistent. And, and we know that we're not getting that. But what if the, one of the next trilogies that we get is not 10, 11, 12, but what if we get an episode 13, 14, and 15 next? Could be set decades in the future and could have an all-new cast of characters that we don't know. And then another decade or so down the line, if we get an episode 10, 11, 12 at that point, we bring back Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and whomever else, and bridge the gap between episode 9 and that trilogy. Could pay homage to George Lucas and his release order of his two trilogies, and I just think it'd be an interesting an interesting release schedule. I'm 0.001 because they would, you know, it'd be confusing to people that weren't as crazy as us. But I think it would it would make perfect sense to me and and just wanted to get your thoughts. Oh, man, I had some technical difficulties playing Buddy Chris's um, voicemail. But thanks for writing, yeah. calling in, buddy, and do it some more. We love hearing from you. Great voicemail. Um, so <clears throat> I think he kind of nailed it on the head with the likelihood of that happening. So right. I do think it would be too convi- too confusing for your average Joe, right? However... I do think it's an interesting idea. Like, it is a fun idea to play around with. And I don't know if you remember this or not, Will, but shortly after the announcement of Disney buying Lucasfilm and that they were going to do more Star Wars movies, I actually said to you, like, wouldn't it be crazy if they don't do Episode 7, they do Episode 10, 11, 12, and then... So I had... A very similar idea. Same exact idea. Right, but just, you know, a few years earlier and in a different format. But it is it is an interesting idea to play around with. And I just think right now it's certainly is an interesting idea. When when you talk about introducing someone to Star Wars, like someone new to Star Wars, you always get in the debate of release order or chronological order. Yeah, where to where to start. And I just think if you 
if you muddy the waters by doing another jump like that, that it would just continue to make that whole debate and that whole thing confusing. And then, like, from a creative standpoint, right? Like, think of it this way. If they do that, they do 13, 14, 15, and they're like, well, once this trilogy is complete, we're going to pull a George Lucas, and in a few years, we're going to go back and do 10, 11, 12 and fill in that gap. Like, I enjoy the prequel trilogy, but there's no doubt that creatively, the prequel trilogy is a little hampered by the fact that you know the end point. Yeah, there's not really a way you can be surprised. Right. The the end point is Anakin becomes Darth Vader. The only way you are surprised by the prequel trilogy is if you've never heard anything about Star Wars, if you've never watched Star Wars, and you start with The Phantom Menace. Then, you know, there can be that element of surprise, but then that takes away from the element of surprise in Episode 5. So it's sort of like a, you know, catch-22. So if... They open up and they do episode 13. And it is, you know, established in the universe that after episode 9, you know, Ray went on to reestablish the Jedi Order or whatever it is she does. And then something bad happens or et cetera, et cetera. Then you kind of already know where 10, 11, 12 would have to go. Right. And I feel like you would be kind of like, once again, sort of led hamstrung um, by what you would have to do, you know? Um, But I'm all about there being a 10, 11, 12, a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know? Keep going. And on, and on, and on, and on, and on. Yeah. I want, you know, on my deathbed to be talking about Ray's great grandkids and shit and being like, it's a shame. I'm going to miss star Wars 28. Now we don't have to take it that dark. We don't like what I'm hoping is they're like, look guys, we've had an incredible run. You know, I'm like 105. And, and this is if the, (laughs) like I'm thinking real positive here. Will just bear with me. This is if I haven't already had the opportunity to transfer my brain to a supercomputer or a cyborg, right? All right. So if that's the case and I'm on my deathbed or, you know, my in my twilight moments, they're like, this Star Wars movie that's coming out this December, episode 28, is the last Star Wars movie ever. We promise. And I get to see that movie, man, catch me going on to the great beyond with a big old smile on my face. What if you have to put your consciousness in a robot to see the next Star Wars? Buddy, you don't even have to tie it to Star Wars to get me to do that. We've talked about it and how much I am in love with that idea. I was just trying to hope that you had fallen out of love with that idea. No, no matter how much Jesse tries to convince me uh, that it's not a great idea, I love that idea catch me still not convinced that it is catch robo halls 9000 podcasting about star wars and fucking 3030 in a desolated ass sun drenched wasteland that looks like way worse than mad max they'll be like welcome to blue harvest episode 3009 i'm your host halls burkhart will died a thousand years ago 
but that's okay. His memory lives on. I sure wish he had transferred himself to a robot body. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. You'll do well without me. No, man. Especially in the future. In the year 2525. You know, honestly, though, by that time, if we have the technology to transfer me into an android body, then I can probably just program an AI to be Will. You probably could. Yeah, I'd be like, I am It would here. probably, you know, the sad thing, probably be a much better Will. No. No, it wouldn't yep. be as good, but it would be better than just Robo okay. Hall solo shows. I can handle it. No, I, I firmly believe it wouldn't be as good, but... It'd be better. Good enough to keep the podcast going, you know? keep me happy feel like i'm talking to my buddy will then i'm gonna have to have a, a fucking ai jesse too because she does she's already told me she doesn't want to be transferred into uh, a robot conscious or, or a robot body so just catch me sad lonely robot man but i'll be watching star wars i'll be playing robot the xbox man. 12 <laughs> robot man um did you ever do you watch black mirror Black Mirror. Yes. Did you ever see the episode San Junipero? San Junipero. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you see that episode and go, "Oh, that's what Halls wants." Yes, I saw that and was like, "Oh, that that's gonna be Halls. That'll yeah. be where Halls is at the end of time." Yeah, except I don't know that I would go to like the '80s. You know, the '80s server. I would be on like, be in the server where you're basically living in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. A strangely, like, happy... What if they don't have the sci-fi WoW fantasy stuff? They only have, like, reproductions of reality. Then I... uh, This is no joke. I would... It would be, like... Now. Like, within the last ten years. Last eight to ten years. I think that's the time I would come back to. Good video games. Good Star Wars movies. Tool album actually came out. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I could live with that. But if they got the power to do that, then they could put me in Star Wars too. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? How long would you let your consciousness exist in San Junipero before you moved on? Just until you're ready, I guess. This party's going on to question marks, my dude. Catch me. Until the aliens come home and reconstitute me a body. Oh, yeah. Like, if they can do that, then yeah. Yeah. Or like... You know, save some of my DNA in like a little tube and be like, look, when you can grow a new me and transfer me to that body, like, please do that. But yeah. for now, I'm going to be flying X-Wings, motherfucker. <clears throat> All right. I wonder. I wonder, man. I wonder how long I have to survive for such a technology to be around. I... I... It, it bottles the mind. It puts the mind in a bottle. It bottles the mind. All right. So we got one more message. This is from our buddy Fraser. This is an email. Hey, Halls and Will. Long time no mail, but I feel like now is prime time to get stuck back into the old Star Wars debate club. Talking about Palpatine's contingency plans from last week took me back to the Battlefront 2 campaign and uh, how it dug into old Palp's plans 
and those creepy sentinel droids and everything he set up in the own unknown regions post his death. Can't help thinking all those sta- Star Destroyers and the Rise of Skywalker trailer could be in storage in the unknown regions ready to strike as part of his plan from this time. What do you think? Fraser from Newcastle, UK. Buddy, I, there's not much to debate there. I think that's probably what's going on. Yeah, that's probably almost exactly what's going on. Um, friend of the podcast, Aaron Boyd, showed me an interesting uh, lightning of one of the screen captures. I actually should find that and send it to you. But yeah. it appears that those Star Destroyers have fancy red accents on them. Really? Yeah, man. And, and like... It's like they are sort of lined with red. And we got Sith Troopers in the movie, and they're red. So, what's, uh, what's the deal with all that, I wonder? What is the deal with that, I wonder? I just sent you a picture. Whoever I see that, I'm pulling it up now. Whoever lightened that did an excellent job. Yes, they did. And I see the red lipstick around the end. Yeah, they got like a, that's a good point. They, these star destroyers don't put a little lipstick on. Now they got partied up. You know, last week when we were talking about the footage, I was kind of like, man, those star destroyers, like they look like they're turned off. In this picture, though, they do look a little more lit up, right? Like, they do. You can see the power on. So maybe not necessarily sitting there parked. Who knows? Maybe awaiting. Oh man, maybe that's an ambush. Yeah, that that's could definitely be the case, huh? Oh, and something else Aaron point, pointed out to me, like look in sort of the bottom right corner. Like, are they in atmosphere over a planet? Look at that. Ooh, that does look like they're in atmo over a planet. So maybe that is them about to you know Maybe there's a a big storm on a planet that they're either purposefully creating or is a phenomenon of the planet and that's where they're hiding a either a fleet or there's an ambush set up yeah well you know i'm pretty sure we see one of these star destroyers or maybe more than one attacking a planet in the footage right so like could this be the planet we see them attacking could be could be could be could be man i don't know about 435 pounds be who told you how much i weigh um let me look let me double check i like to do a double check and make sure we didn't miss anybody's emails or voicemails don't believe we did no jim this week we got to king tom we got fraser we got christopher i responded to our buddy richard our buddy richard wanted to know our shirt sizes or uh, a little surprise he's sending us. He, I know what it is, oh, but boy. you don't know what it is. So I don't know what it is. We're going to keep that surprise alive. Uh-oh. <clears throat> okay. Well, otherwise, I think that about does it for us this week. Uh, thanks for recording with me, buddy. Dude, thanks for waiting on me. No problem. Um, guys, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check it out. Uh, the band that was kind enough to provide the music, they are Stoned Cobra. And you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. 
Make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, it really helps us out. helps other people find us. And then uh, we just have a good old moisture farming time. Um, oh, I just realized that... <laughs> I just realized that Fraser's subject title on his email is those damn ass destroyers that's funny those damn ass i haven't broken out a good damn ass in a little while in a long damn ass time i heard our buddy uh robbo use damn ass on one of his video game podcasts i was like ah, did he really yes yes let the damn ass flow through you the infection spreads it's like a plague the damn ass. anyways uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. And until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm your host, Hans Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>